Welcome back to another season of the Lions College Football Podcast. I'm Brett Gibbons with TheLions.com, and this year I'm joined by this man, the myth, the legend over here, Kelly Ford of K Ford Ratings. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Brett. I appreciate it. Uh, you're too kind there with the intro, but yeah, we're, we're talking college football. It's hard to be bad when you're talking college football. The season's going to be here before we know it, and it's been a long summer, so I am ready as ever to get after it with some more college football. Looking at it from the numbers standpoint and then getting ready to watch the games this fall, it's going to be just a blast. Yeah, we are certainly talking a brand of college football today. We'll dive into Conference USA, the new look Conference USA here shortly. But before we do, since we're brand new, uh, starting this back up this year, give everyone a rundown on what are K-Ford ratings. Yeah, for sure. So K-Ford ratings are, um, at their core, a power rating. So if you're familiar with Bill Connolly's SP+, Brian Fromo's FEI, Uh, ESPN's FPI, those are all predictive power rating college football sets. K-4 ratings are, they act in the same way. Uh, I modeled mine initially after Bill Connolly and Brian Fromo. To me, those are the two godfathers in the college football space. I wanted to be just like them when I was starting out, so I did everything I could to research their methods, their models, anything they were putting out there publicly, I was consuming. And as I've gone along here in the last four or five years of, of posting them and publicizing it, Uh, to the public on my website, I have learned my own tips, tricks, and found various things that I think are predictive that either Brian and Bill um, haven't included or haven't shared publicly that they include. Uh, But at its core, power ratings, looking forward, is team A better than team B? And if so, by how much on a neutral field, you're accounting for home field advantages, all sorts of things like that. Um, It's a zero to 100 scale that my numbers are produced on. So it's not a points per game above or below average like an SP plus or an FPI. Um, But I do make that conversion on the back end and I'm able to then generate um, projected game spreads for every single game and expected win probabilities, win totals, all of those things. For as much fun as I have on the predictive side uh, and using the power ratings, I think my favorite application of my numbers, Brett, is actually on what I call most deserving resume rankings. So I use my predictive power ratings as an engine And then I'm able to kind of standardize every single FBS team's schedule and resume and say, how would the average top 25 team be expected to perform against that team's schedule? How many wins would they be expected to have against Team X's schedule, Team Y's schedule? So by viewing every single team's schedule through the same lens, I'm then able to make apples-to-apples comparisons on... Who has achieved the most this year on the field? Who has the best resume? How can we stack them up? And what I would like to see, you know, the AP poll or the coaches poll, ultimately the college football playoff selection committee rankings, I'd like to see a matchup to the most deserving. So for as much fun as the power ratings are, and people like to use them for betting purposes and handicapping games and all that stuff, that's great. People can do what they want with them. I actually prefer using them to do the most deserving rankings because I think that is what we should be doing is judging teams on what they've achieved on the field in any given year relative to what would be expected of a equal or a common denominator there, the average top 25 team. Yeah, and you talked about looking ahead and, and projecting, and that's kind of what this podcast, this show, all year long is going to be about. It's going to be actionable information. Uh, I do bet. Kelly, you do not bet. Uh, just as a disclaimer, why are we not betting this year? 
Yeah, for sure. So I work in college athletics for my full-time job. I love doing this here with you and, and, and working with the lines. Um, but I do not bet on any sport that the NCAA sponsors because I work in college athletics. I work at a division one conference office. We don't sponsor football at our off in our, in the, uh, at a conference level in the horizon league, but it doesn't matter. The NCAA does. So therefore I am not allowed to bet even if I wanted to. Um, so I put the numbers out there. Uh, I'm not advising anyone to bet a certain way. I'm certainly not placing any bets um, for or against anything. Um, but I am able to tell a story with my numbers and however people choose to interpret those. I know folks have used my numbers for handicapping purposes in the past and have, have been successful in terms of making profits. Um, but to me, even if I could, Brett... I don't think I would because I just love watching college football. And if I'm sitting there trying to sweat out a maxion game, Ohio plus nine and a half against Miami on a Tuesday night in November, I'm not enjoying the game. I'm worrying about that. So I, to me, even if I could, I probably wouldn't. But I do have a model that uh, allows for folks to do that if they so choose. Um, so that's where I am and what I'm doing with it. But again, have at it if that's what, what interests you. Uh, I enjoy just making the numbers and then looking at them and saying, what story are these numbers telling? What are these numbers missing? Because no model is perfect. You can't capture everything. And I know that. That subjective piece that comes in for each individual viewer, um, that's among the most fun, in, in my opinion, of the college football um, projects that we do. Yeah, and I will be sharing my bets. We are not a touting service. That's not what we do with the lines. Uh, my goal here is to, I'll share my plays. Feel free to tell them if you'd like, but but don't feel obligated to. And, you know, Kelly's only going to be contextualizing some of these, but we're kind of trying to show you the process, give you some nuggets of actionable information so that you can take it and go make bets and have fun with the college football season yourself. Uh, and yeah, I've definitely had games completely ruined because, you know, I lost a bet that I really wanted to hit and I had to sweat it out. But no, I totally get that. It can take the enjoyment out of it. Uh, what we're not going to take the enjoyment out of though is conference USA, America's conference, the conference of the people, the new look conference USA. Don't call it C dash USA because that is no longer the name anywhere uh, more. They went under a massive rebranding uh, by bringing in a bunch of, well, teams, I suppose. They lost six. They bring in four. Uh, they bring in Liberty, New Mexico State, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, uh, two new FBS members up from FCS, the 132nd, 133rd member. Uh, they just kind of grabbed up whoever they could, whoever was willing to join a league. That's kind of what Conference USA is now. They lost, I think, the most talent of the American, soon to be the Big 12, soon to be the Pac-12. I seriously think they, they were just absolutely gutted by this conference realignment. But do your numbers back that up? Are they actually worse now than they were before? Yeah, Brett, on the surface... Conference USA certainly got got the worst of the conference realignment, um, and the numbers do back up that opinion. Last year, if you're looking at 2022 Conference USA year-end average K-Ford ratings, and again, K-Ford ratings, 0 to 100 scale, where 50 is FBS average. So that doesn't mean if my team power rating is 55, Brett, and yours is 50, that I'd be favored by five points on a neutral field against you. The football point conversion is, is much smaller than that. That's just my normalized scale, 0 to 100, with 50 being average. It's a way to contextualize every single college FBS college football team on a scale that most Americans are familiar with You know, ever since the time we entered school, and that's how we were graded. So using my K-Ford ratings from last year, year-end, 2022, Conference USA membership last year, 
they averaged a K forward rating of a 26.5. Again, 50 is average. So, you know, you're in the bottom quartile-ish on average of FBS teams. That 26.5 was better than only the MAC last year. If we used last year's membership and came into this preseason, 2023 preseason, and looked at the K forward ratings of that membership, it'd be a 25.9. So very, very similar, ever so slightly worse than last year's 26.5. But we talked about the realignment, six out, four in. What does it look like now? The 2023 actual Conference USA preseason average K forward rating is a 16.9. So from that 25.9 to 16.9, that's about 3.5 points per game worse per team than they would have been with the old membership. I do want to put a caveat in there. You mentioned it. There's two new... Uh, programs that are transitioning from FCS to FBS, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston. It is difficult um, for anyone who's out there with their power ratings, at least in my experience, to try to project how a team is going to do in their first year after joining the FBS from the FCS ranks. James Madison did it last year, so I learned a lot, and I feel much better about my preseason projections for Jacksonville State and Sam Houston this year than I did James Madison a year ago, but it's still apples to oranges And so I am not as confident in what those two teams' preseason power ratings are compared to the other teams that are in this conference. But even with that caveat, 16.9, that is the lowest uh, of any conference. And even if I'm wrong on Jacksonville State and Sam Houston and they surprise me, it's not likely going to make that big of a difference uh, in terms of average over the course of nine, um, nine members. So yeah, they took a big hit. They're about three and a half points per game worse per team this year than they would have been if they had the same membership from last year. So I do think of all the conferences, Conference USA certainly probably takes the biggest hit in realignment here this round. And I think there's a pretty clear line in this conference between the haves, or I should say the have, and all the have-nots. I think there is one clear team that is better than the rest. We'll see if you agree with that. It's Western Kentucky. I think they're still decent. Uh, the one thing I am concerned about, though, is they, they lose offensive coordinator Ben Arbuckle. He goes to Washington State. He was kind of the, uh, you know, Zach Kitley had left for Texas Tech, and he was a protege under Kitley, so they still have that Zach Kitley system that throws for a bajillion yards and scores a bajillion points. I love it. It's one of my favorite offenses. No, it's probably my favorite offense in the country. They bring in Drew Holingshead, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, he's under the Mike Leach tree. So they're still keeping an air raid. They're still, uh, you know, going to air the ball out. We can still expect Austin Reed to be at or near 4,000 yards again. He was the nation's leading passer of 4,744 yards last year. Just a joy to watch. He almost left Western Kentucky, hit the transfer portal, considered the NFL, decided, now nah, I'm going to come back for one more year and throw for 5,000 yards or so. Um, what I thought was interesting, though, is their receiving core, led by Malachi Cooley, extremely talented, to the point where Phil Steele ranks them number 16 in the entire nation. Like Conference USA, they've one of the top 20 best units uh, in terms of receiving core in the entire country, which I thought was great. I think this is going to be an electric team again. Their strength of schedule, I have it 109th in the country. That's actually the third toughest in Conference USA. Of course, those numbers are skewed a bit because they're all playing each other. Uh, but, you know, it, it is interesting to think they have, you know, a favorable schedule. And I really do think that they are, I have them, in a tier of their own. But what say you? Yeah, I'm with you, Brett. And I, and I agree with you on the schedule. I actually have it as the 95th most difficult. So I view it as a little bit more difficult than you. And I have it as the second most difficult in Conference USA. So, again, relative to the teams they're playing, um, among the most difficult. But I'm with you. They are in a tier of their own. I have a 76% chance for WKU to reach the conference championship game. Wow. 
not only is that better than any team in their conference, that's a higher percent chance to reach the champ game of any team in any conference in the nation. So a way to think about that, Western Kentucky is a bigger favorite in their league than any other team is in their own respective league. I mean, that's even more than Georgia to make the SEC championship game out of the East. And I think we all know that Georgia is the prohibitive favorite in that division. So to me, yes, this is the best team. They're the best offense in in, in the conference, excuse me. And they face the 125th most difficult collection of opposing FBS defenses. So there's only a handful of teams that on average, on a week-in, week-out basis, face a weaker opposing defense than Western does this year. So having the best (laughs) offense in the conference, combined with the fact that they're facing among the top 10 easiest combined opponents um, on defense, I think they're going to be able to score some points, even though they might be a slightly worse team this year than in years past. I have them as an underdog against Ohio State, of course, in week two, 35 and a half points. There's almost no chance they win that one. And then at Troy in week three, I have them as a short underdog, four and a half points there. But other than that, I have a favorite favorite in every single game with the smallest projected spread in the conference uh, being five and a half points. That's what I have Western favored at Louisiana Tech in week six and at home against Liberty in week nine. So 50% 50% chance to win nine plus games. Um, Going to be a, a decent favorite in every home game, or excuse me, every conference game. This is, as you said, the team to beat in, in Conference USA. And even if they do slip up, I think they're talented enough that they're going to find a way to get into that conference championship game. And then they will be a favorite most likely in that game. And that's interesting that you said that they are the most likely team per your numbers to reach their conference championship game. And I mean, to be fair, if we're looking at the spreads that they'll be favored and are expected to win that game. And if you compare that to Georgia, Georgia's an odds-on favorite to win the SEC. But Western Kentucky, you can find them for as long as plus 130 at time of recording at FanDuel. I'm probably not betting that plus 130 because that's no longer the best number. They open up around plus 160, plus 155. I'm not betting into a watered-down market in that case. But that is interesting contextually that your numbers say that Western Kentucky is most likely to reach that conference championship game and presumably win it. And yet they have a lot longer odds than Georgia to win their conference. Just food for thought out there. That's an actionable piece of advice. I really do like that. And I, I do. It's exciting to see that you say, you know, 125th nationally in uh, opposing defenses faced. Austin Reed is going to have a very fun year. Maybe not Bailey Zappi levels, but He'll be damned if he doesn't try to break his uh, personal record from last year. I think they're just going to be a joy. Now, the other team, at least that the odds say, are contenders. Liberty. They're new to the conference, but they're probably the most talented of the teams that, uh, well, they are the most talented team between New Mexico State and the two FCS schools coming up. They hired Jamie Chadwell. They lost Hugh Freeze. I think Hugh Freeze may have helped them overperform a bit, especially defensively. They've had a nasty defensive front for a long time. Uh, But I'm interested to see how Jamie Chadwell's system works without Grayson McCall or without even really a great quarterback. They have Caden Salter. They have Jonathan Bennett. I don't really know what they're going to do there. Uh, Salter is a better athlete. I think he has a higher ceiling. Jonathan Bennett's a more experienced player, maybe a little bit uh, more risk adverse, I would say, in that. We'll see who they trot out there. But yeah, I'm really interested to see how his interesting, like it's, it's so well drawn up that you don't even realize you're watching option football. That's Jamie Chadwell's offensive system. I'm interested to see if Liberty picks that up as well as Coastal does because they don't have that same level of talent offensively. 
And they've also lost a lot of their defensive prowess. Five of their top six tacklers are out, including two or three uh, starters on that defensive line. That was so good. Darrell Johnson, 18 and a half tackles for losses and nine sacks. That's not inclusive in the 18 and a half TFL. He's gone as well. Day-Day Hunter, their leading rusher. I think he's gone. He left and then he came back and now he's in the portal again, but nobody's picked him up, which is kind of interesting because he's a pretty talented player. I thought he was going to go somewhere during the uh, spring. And then leading receiver Demario Douglas, he's also out. But according to my numbers, again, it's a conglomeration of uh, different power ratings, SP+, FPI, Sagar, and a whole bunch of other ones. They actually play the easiest schedule in the country, per my numbers. What do your numbers say? Agree with you 100%. Liberty has the easiest schedule in the nation by my numbers, 133 out of 133. This team does not face a top 70 defense all year long. Like the best defense that they face by my numbers is number 71. And that's actually Sam Houston, who, as I said at the top, I'm not totally confident in the projections that I have for them. So they could be better, I suppose. More likely, they're going to be a little bit worse since I made the adjustments from Jay Madison. So Liberty, they're going to have a very easy schedule. They are the second best team in Conference USA. Um, I have this as the worst Liberty team since 2019, but they're still a favorite to make the conference championship game at 55%. It's a top three offense, top two defense within the conference. I have them as a pick at Buffalo in the non-con in week three, and then a 5.5 point underdog at Western in week nine. But other than those two, they're favored by um, 5.5 at UTEP in the final week and favored by at least a touchdown in all of their other games. I've got a 56% chance to win nine plus games. And again, wow. outside of Western, this is the team that I think is going to challenge in Conference USA their first year in the conference, as you said, making the transition from an independent a year ago. I will say Jamie Chadwell, like to me, like it is a good hire. I agree with you. I'm a little surprised that he decided to make this move just given where coastal is and the, and the Sunbelt, the prestige of that conference. Like I, I think if he would have stayed a little longer or, you know, maybe he could have had a different job, a better job than Liberty. That's not to say anything bad about the Liberty job. It's just, it seems like a lateral move at best for me, not really a step up, but you know, he's smart. He knows what he's doing, I have to presume. So uh, who am I to question his motives? But uh, it's just an interesting one for me. He was also handed $4 million a year. And I think that had a little bit to do with it. That to, Just to contextualize that for people maybe not aware, that spending is closer to what Minnesota is paying for P.J. Fleck like, than anything that the Conference USA is doing. So I would say that's probably a little bit of the reason. But yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of like legacy and, and toughness. It's a lateral move for Jamie Chadwell, maybe even a step back. Very, very fair. Money talks, and I should have led with that. That yes, I understand it was big money. My point that I was <clears throat> making, not eloquently, was I think if he stays one more year, you can get that money, maybe more, sure. at the, a program of higher prestige, even than Liberty. Um, and so again, maybe take the money now and run, and and try to turn this one into a winner in Conference USA too, and then make another step and make more uh, in the long run. But yeah, I, hey, get your money always. I get that. Um, just an interesting move from a from the level of team in the power rating realm. Yeah. And to further contextualize just how easy the schedule is, because it's not like, ah, they just kind of edged out the rest by this easy schedule for me, for my power rankings, power ratings, rankings in this case, their non-conference slate averages to 121st. That's Bowling Green. That's Buffalo, Old Dominion and UMass. (laughs) Actually Liberty plays just for me, one top 100 season uh, team all season long Western, so, yeah, my numbers have Same. them at eight, 8.1 wins, 
despite them not being really all that talented. I think that they're actually going to make a really interesting bowl game discussion down the road if they win eight, nine games against matched up with a pretty good team from the Sun Belt or a Power Five. Uh, we we may be talking about a large point spread that may not be large enough, but that's a fun discussion uh, down the road. We did talk about Western. We did talk about Liberty kind of being this top tier. Do you see anybody else, anybody else that's worth considering even just making a little bit of noise? Yeah, to me, Western's the clear favorite. Liberty's the clear two. Middle Tennessee, I have that as a one in three chance to make the conference championship game per my numbers right now. Um, you know, average conference wins at 5.0, which for perspective, I have Liberty at 5.6 and Western at 6.3. So there's kind of a step back there. But if anyone's going to do it outside of those two, uh, it, it could be those. But the thing hurting Middle Tennessee more than anything, I think, they have to go to Western and to Liberty this year. So they have both of those teams on the road. I think it's probably just too much for them to, uh, to overcome. But they could find a way to sneak in there if they're able to pull an upset or two. Yeah, I did take a flyer on this conference, believe it or not. I actually took a shot on UTEP. And full transparency here, Phil Steele's preview magazine actually kind of helped me along to this. He is UTEP number two in the conference. That's interesting. I don't know if it's necessarily a he thinks they're going to be really good or if Middle Tennessee and Louisiana Tech and Liberty have the potential to really kind of uh, underwhelmed, but I took them at 16 to one, which has an implied win rate of 5.88, 5.9% to happen. So I'm really just playing numbers. I'm not sitting here saying the miners are going to win conference USA, but like, if you look at it, if Western doesn't really work out or something happens, God forbid, the league really is wide open. If we're looking at kind of the, the distribution of points, you know, I view Tep about seven points less than Liberty. That's a score a game. You know, a bounce here, a bounce there, a good turnover margin could help them win there. They have an excellent offensive line, like massive offensive line. They're more in line with the size of a power five offensive line than they are Conference USA. They should be able to dominate up front. They should have a dynamic rushing attack, I think. I know that doesn't win a ton of games. Uh, Tyron Smith, he's a 1,000-yard receiver. He actually does return uh, to UTEP. He actually spent spring and played spring ball with Texas A&M, but he decided to come back, which is good. Dynamic player. What do your numbers say? What percentage chance does UTEP have of making the conference championship? And did I make a hopefully guided bet? By my numbers, I have a 10% chance that UTEP makes the conference championship game, that, that, that they make it. So it's a better chance than the implied odds of 16 to one. Now they have to go win that game, right? Cause you, you have them to win it. So you'd have to go win that one. So that number comes down a little bit. So, you know, it's in the realm um, of what your odds are. So again, it's a flyer. As you said, I'm not going to say it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I personally am not comfortable at the, at those levels um, just in terms of my own philosophy. Again, I'm not betting anyway, but um, when I say 10% chance, the way I read that is a 90% chance not to like, that's how I read that. So when you're saying, you know, I got 16 to one. Okay. I, I can live with it. Um, but it is a long shot as, as you outlined there. You're seeing it the correct way. Like the rational ways to say <laughs> there is a, a 94.1% chance that they don't win this conference. That's, you know, what the sports books are betting. Those are the odds they're taking by pricing them at 16 to one, allowing me to buy that. Uh, but Hey, when it comes to the betting scope, if you're saying 10% chance to make it, 
Uh, and then by my numbers, they would probably be a massive underdog. So I don't know if necessarily it's, it's a huge value. Uh, but yeah, I, I like what they're piecing together here. Again, bad conference, uh, low variance, which is nice because when you have low variance, that means you have high parity. That means there's a lot of different teams winning. That's kind of what I'm attacking there with conference USA. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Another team that we had briefly talked about, Louisiana Tech. I did bet a uh, win total here. I took over five and a half. I make them for 5.8. So it's not this huge uh, edge that we had here. But I think that they really improved at quarterback. Hank Bachmeyer comes in, the old Boise State quarterback. I think he's actually fine. You know, he left Boise State because his offensive coordinator got canned. His offensive coordinator was atrocious uh, when they got beat up by, funny enough, UTEP. And then he went down to Louisiana Tech. And I like what they're doing in Ruston. They, they are a high-paced offense, air raid. They're going to be throwing it around the shop. And against Conference USA defenses, I think they're going to be able to score. So I think this offense is going to be pretty good. Now, defensively, avert your eyes. They're bad. Uh, maybe the worst run defense in the country last year. And I don't really anticipate that to change. They didn't do a whole lot through the port. I mean, it's Louisiana Tech, to be fair. They didn't do a lot through the portal to really bolster that at all. But I do favor them four times at home. Uh, never by more than, uh, they're, they're, I'm sorry, they're never more than a one-score underdog at home, which is good. And then I favor them in two more games on the road, and they're a one-score underdog twice on the road. So when you kind of do the math there, if they're favored by four, uh, you know, if they're favored six times, we can say expect them to win six, and that's a flawed way of looking at it. Uh, but, you know, maybe they can win four, five of those six, and then, you know, three one-score projections on the season, you win one or two of those, and all of a sudden you're at your five or six wins. What do your numbers say about Louisiana Tech? I'm going to start with the bad. You said the defense was atrocious. 
they were, and I'm projecting this year that they are the worst FBS defensive unit in the country. Oh my. So they can only move up from the expectation. You can't be worse than what I'm expecting of dead last. Now I'll go to the good side. You say you make them for 5.8. I've got an average of 6.2, and I have a 68% chance to win six-plus games. I agree with you with what you said about favoring uh, at home and, and a couple on the road. I actually have just one on the road. I think the one you're probably talking about is at UTEP. I have that as a pick Um, But again, even some toss-up games there as well, you think they're going to probably win some of those. Uh, so yeah, a 68% chance to win six-plus, that's a that's a sound logic behind that. And the numbers are there uh, for a team that maybe some people are shying away from because the defense is that bad. In, if you go back and listen to our uh, American show, the the first one that we did, when we talked about the American, I don't know if I'm going to make this a segment or what's going on here, but I like betting the sickos teams as you called it. It's a real sickos bet. Boy, do I have another one for everybody. FIU Florida international. I bet over two and a half wins. It's gross. FIU will probably finish the year ranked in the bottom five in power ratings. I'm not sure I agree with the assessment here. I think it's a little bullish, but my numbers make them for 4.8 wins. That might be a little high. They're a bad team, but Conference USA is winnable. And their out-of-conference is Maine, FCS team. UConn, who I think seriously overproduced last year. And North Texas, that just went under a huge coaching change. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat UConn and North Texas, but it's not like one of those games is at Ole Miss, right? Or they're playing three power five opponents out of conference or even three good group of five teams out of conference or or even a really good FCS team. I think they have winnable games. It's gross. I'm so sorry for everyone that had to listen to that. Dare I even ask what your assessment of Florida International is? Yeah, Brett, you're definitely a sicko, as we talked about during the American uh, preview. Uh, Again, here with FIU, they did finish last year in my power ratings, dead last in FBS. They come into this year second to last. I've got UMass behind them. Um, But I'm saying it too. You said 4.8. I do think that's a little high for me. I've got it at 3.2. But I'm with you. I've got a 69% chance to win three-plus games. And you look at their schedule, and it's hard to pinpoint which ones they are. You got Maine as an FCS team. I got an 83% chance to win that one at home, favored by about two touchdowns. Outside of that, I don't have FIU favored in any single game. However, there's a stretch. They have two buys. They play in week zero, so they have two buys this year. They have a buy in week five, and they have a buy in week 10. You look at the four games in between, weeks six to nine. You're at New Mexico State, home to UTEP, at Sam Houston, and home to Jacksonville State. My numbers have, have FIU as an underdog in each of those games, but never by more than six and a half points. So you've got expected win probabilities anywhere from 32 to 42%. If you get Maine, and then you can get the two games in there. If you can go two and two in that four-game stretch, boom. You're done, you've done it. You don't have to pull any upsets against anybody else. And you mentioned UConn's another one they might be able to get. It's on the road. UConn is a better team. They're improving, but still a 20% chance to win by my numbers. So it is a sicko. I probably spent too much time rationalizing it, but that's what the numbers say. And um, we'll see. I, I think it's there to be had but I can't pinpoint exactly which ones they're going to be. I, I'm with you. And I don't have to pinpoint the ones that it is. All I have to do is hope for That's three right. wins. And the best number out there, you can still get a three. DraftKings, as of time of recording here on July 25th, you can get over three. So at worst, you could push. Again, if you get to three. Yeah, to go, by my numbers, like I said, you got 69% if you're at uh, two and a half. If you go up to three, 
Now you only have a 40% chance by my numbers to win and then a 29 to push. So you're still more likely than not to, to or still not likely to lose it, but much less likely to win it at three by my numbers. Surely. We've talked about this team a little bit. We're not really sure what to make of it. It's very difficult to project, but we're going to try anyway. Uh, one of the bets I did take was under five and a half wins at Jacksonville State. Unfortunately, that number is not available anymore. It's at four and a half. And I kind of think that James Madison, they have an effect on, you know, these these projections, these sportsbook projections where they came in and dominated. But the teams that come up from FCS to FBS and dominate right away, like James Madison, are typically historically excellent FCS programs. Now, Jacksonville State's put out excellent teams. The the season this past year with Rich Rod was an excellent season. But they're not historically an excellent program, I don't believe. And they're not recruiting at the level necessary to succeed even marginally in the FBS. And I understand Conference USA, uh, quite frankly, sucks. And so they're coming into a league that may not be all that more difficult than the one that they're coming from. If you look at like Sagarin ratings, who just lays out all the FBS to FCS in order, you can see that Jacksonville state is not behind all the FBS teams and kind of markedly it's not that big a difference. You know, if not just in name only Zion Webb, the quarterback, he's extremely talented, great athlete, very good quarterback. He will play this year. There are questions about uh, his seventh year of eligibility. His waiver was accepted. So he will play. They're going to have a good offense. Not so great on defense. Uh, I forget who. I don't know if it was Bill Connolly that said this. I don't want to misattribute uh, the quote. But they were saying they hoped that Jacksonville State's offense could combine with Sam Houston State's defense and make one pretty good FBS program. So, what do your numbers say about Jacksonville State? And why is it difficult to kind of project what they're going to do this year? I like that saying, whoever said it, whether it was Bill or someone else, because I agree with that. Um, I like it. I got a 74% chance to win five or fewer games. So the fact you add it five and a half, a 74% chance. I mean, that's that's phenomenal value with the caveat, as I've said a couple times here, and as you referenced too, this FCS to FBS transition is hard. Uh, I did learn a lot from James Madison, but it's not apples to apples. It, it, it's apples to oranges. And you could almost argue F or Power 5 to G5 is a little apples to oranges. The difference is I have so much data interconnecting those two within any given year, but over the course of many years, that that comparison becomes much easier. I don't have a lot of data as I'm building out projections for a team that's made this transition. I don't have a lot of this example, FCS to FBS. It's only James Madison in my direct data set from recently. Of course, teams have done it previously. That's prior to when I was doing the power ratings and, and collecting data at the level of detail that I'm doing now. And so it's difficult for that reason. Learned a lot from James Madison. So I feel much better about Jacksonville State and Sam Houston this year than James Madison a year ago, as I said. But there's still uncertainty. Even with that uncertainty, a 74% chance to win five or fewer. I have to feel good about that. But I have to remember back to last year, I'll out myself. I one of my one of my favorite, you know, plays last year, not that I did it or advised it, but as we were talking about these things in preseason, was the James Madison under. And they went over and I was like, dang, what the heck? And I learned a lot about that. So now here here I am again a year later saying I agree with an under for an FCS to FBS transition team. But you know, I feel better about this one. We'll roll with it. 
And I'm going to learn more this year from Jacksonville State and Sam Houston. And it's going to come in handy because next year we're going to welcome Kennesaw State. So just keep getting better with the data we get. But all we can do is use the information we have. And right now, I'd agree with you on that. And just to kind of build on how difficult it is to project these and how confused the numbers can be sometimes, Jacksonville State, I have them, if I count, sixth in Conference USA. I also only make them for three and a half wins. They play the 121st ranked schedule, which by a quick back in the napkin is still like the fourth easiest. It's not even the easiest in conference USA. Those numbers to me do not like, they don't follow. It should be either they're lose. You know, they only have three and a half wins at, the, at where they're sitting at because they have a very difficult schedule. That's not the case, but then why aren't they winning more games? I'm not sure there. And like, their power rating is not good. It's in the bottom fifth of, of the country, but it's not FIU. It's not where I project Kent State to be at. It's a bit above that. So that's why these numbers are confusing. Uh, yeah, I, I could look real bad, at, at, you know, as, as pounding the table for James Madison under it. And I don't know many people that were on the train last year saying, hey, watch out, James Madison's going to be excellent. I think they surprised everybody in that regard and every rational person in that regard. You, we had a lot of people saying they saw it coming, but you asked for receipts from preseason. I don't think you're going to find them, but Hey, so at least you and I, Brett, we're going to be on record with things. <laughs> it comes back. Hey, we got this right. Got this wrong. What I don't like is when people and yell out of on Twitter. Um, oh, I definitely saw this coming. Or how could you think that? It's like, all right, tell me when you made that because yeah, I realized James Madison was pretty good after week five too, but at that <laughs> yeah, point right. we're not going back to preseason. Yeah, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Awesome, you can go back and say, yeah, I of course. Who couldn't have seen that coming? Right. But wow, Kelly, that was about 30 minutes on Conference USA, and we didn't even dive into every single team. We dove into a good portion of them, but they're not all of them. Sadly, we didn't get to talk about New Mexico State and uh, Diego Pavia, who is electric. I will talk about them a plenty this coming year. Don't you worry, New Mexico State fans. But that's a show. Everyone listening, please go hop on over to our Discord. You can connect with over 4,000 sports betting fans, get live updates on our college football server, and join a sharp and very active, a growing active community because college football season, it is knocking on the doorstep. Don't forget to subscribe to the lines on YouTube for daily sports uh, betting strategy videos just like this one. Follow us on your podcast app of choice, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pandora, whoever else is hosting podcasts at these days. You can find us there. Kelly, please plug your work for everybody. Yeah, no, um, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be on the team here at thelines.com. You can find me on Twitter at KFordRatings, and I have the website kfordratings.com. So basically everything I'm posting uh, to one of those two places is showing up at the other. So looking forward to keeping this going with you, Brett, and being a part of the team here at The Lines. Yes, of course. Thank you, everyone here, for watching and listening. I'm Brett Gibbons. That is Kelly Ford, and we'll see you next time.